0: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie-Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Sunday is my fun day, especially when I get to produce a new Scoop podcast. This is Scoop podcast episode 352 on this Sunday morning. The 30th of May, the year is 2021. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday weekend. If by chance you don't get to this podcast until, say, Tuesday, which is what, June 1st, Wednesday, June 2nd, that's okay. I think the information, especially the interviews, will still be plenty pertinent. Let me empty out my figurative notebook before we get to Ben Johnson, Gophers men's basketball coach. In no particular order, let me begin with the Vikings. So the Vikings get back to work on Tuesday. Mike Zimmer gave the team Thursday through Monday off with the holiday week. And really, you know, Thursday was supposed to be a pretty heavy get work done day. But Zimmer said after the Wednesday workout, after that day, that first media access we had for OTA, Zim said, hey, hit the road, go enjoy the holiday week, and I'll see you again on Tuesday. We will get media access again on Wednesday. When we are there on Wednesday, I don't expect to see Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter is not showing up for the voluntary portion of this offseason. Where it will get interesting is the mandatory minicamp in mid-June. We're about two weeks out from the mandatory minicamp. If Hunter is not at the minicamp, The Vikings can fine him. I have said for a long time, I'll continue to reiterate, Daniil Hunter is not a me, me, me type guy. He doesn't enjoy the spotlight. Is he comfortable being in the spotlight if he skips minicamp, the mandatory minicamp, and thus has to pay those fines? Somebody with decent knowledge suggested to me that he believes Daniil will be here for minicamp. I guess we'll wait and see. He still needs a raise. The Vikings know they need to give him a raise. So that is the headline of that situation. One we will continue to monitor. Clearly, there have been discussions. Rob Brzezinski of the Vikings with Daniil Hunter's representation. Speaking of Rob Brzezinski, he also knows he has to work on extensions for Brian O'Neill, right tackle, and safety Harrison Smith. Look for those talks to pick up in the coming weeks. They'll probably start. At some point in June, you know, everybody will take some time off in July, post-July 4th. Then, if need be, they can pick up those talks right before training camp begins in late July. We know the Vikings made an offer to free agent cornerback Bashad Breland. I'm led to believe it was a one-year offer. I don't know if it was for exactly the minimum, the vet minimum, or slightly above, but clearly it wasn't for enough money. But we'll continue to track. Breeland's situation. As long as he is out there, you can imagine that the Vikings will maintain some sort of dialogue with his camp. Transitioning to the Wilds, we all thought after the way the Wilds played in games five and six, that the momentum was on their side, that they would find a way to win game seven, that Vegas was the last team to blow a 3-1 series lead. That happened two years ago. Against San Jose. I think a lot of us, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us thought, hey, the Wilds will find a way. They will win on Friday night. But they got their butts kicked. It's hard not to wonder if that game changes in some fashion. If Jonas Brodeen doesn't go down early in the first period with that injury, did not return the rest of the game. But regardless, Vegas wins. They move on with a six to two win. So instead of the Wilds playing here Sunday night in Denver against the Avalanche, game one. Second round, they now prepare for an interesting offseason. The elephant in the room is Zach Parise. Heck, it's hard not to wonder, would the series be different if Zach Parise was in the lineup? Games one, two, and three. He played well in those final four games of the series. Yes, he would welcome a change of scenery, but how do the Wild get to that point? The contract is pretty much untradeable. Four years left in his contract. He's 36 years old. Nobody is taking on that contract unless the Wild are taking back more money. But realistically speaking, the Zach Parisi contract is unmovable. Would the Wild buy him out? They would take some significant salary cap hits. I think in an ideal world, that's what happens. That Parisi gets a buyout. He can go get a fresh start elsewhere. His guy Lou running the Islanders would probably welcome him on. You know, a minimum-type contract, or somebody would. Inevitably, he would find a job. In an ideal world, that's what happens. Whether Bill Guerin is on that same page remains to be seen. But I can tell you from the Parisi side, he is hoping for a buyout. He is hoping to be elsewhere. I caught up with Nate Prosser, Elk River native, former Wild defenseman the other day. We reminisced, went down memory lane. He was on that 2014 Wild team that won that Game 7 in Colorado, so I caught up with him on Friday morning, and we ended up talking a lot of Game 7 memories, so that audio really isn't applicable now, now that the Wild lost the Game 7. If I had done a new podcast on, say, Friday morning, it would have made sense to to throw that Prosser audio on this podcast, but now it's way in the past, but he did tell me, I will pass along this nugget, so I said to Nate, hey, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your hockey future. Prosser is 35 years old. He was in the minors for a bit, made it all the way back to the National Hockey League. He was with the Philadelphia Flyers. In fact, scored a goal, played a few games for the Flyers in the winter. Chuck Fletcher running the Flyers. So Prosser has that great relationship with the former Wild GM, Chuck Fletcher. So Prosser is 35. He is looking at retirement. He said, in all likelihood, nothing is official but that he is ready to retire. He is at peace with his career. I think him getting back to the NHL, playing games this past winter after playing in the minors for a bit, I think that was the cherry on top of his career. That he said, okay, I made it back to the NHL. I can now retire in peace. So all the best to a really good guy, Nate Prosser. On the Timberwolves, I saw Chris Haynes of Yahoo had a note on YahooSports.com the other day, about D'Angelo Russell and Jalen Noel being at game two of the Lakers Sun Series. The idea is the Wolves want to send their players to playoff games so they can experience the atmosphere, the feel. Well, D'Angelo Russell's been in the playoffs, he's played in the playoffs. To me, it was genius if Russell convinced the Wolves to foot the bill for his ticket so he could see his guy, Devin Booker. Russell and Booker are very close. Hey, if Russell got a free ticket to game two to watch his guy Booker, he is very, very smart. But like a guy like Jaden McDaniels, he's with his family right now in Seattle. He's not getting to any game anytime soon. He'll come back here in a couple weeks to begin workouts with the Wolves at Mayo Clinic Square. But he's not leaving Seattle to attend a playoff game. Anthony Edwards, yeah, he'll attend a playoff game. He's with Rich Paul. He's with Clutch Sports. So they have LeBron. They have a lot of the Lakers guys. So Anthony Edwards, through his agency, will get to a playoff game. But I'm just not quite sure it's that big of a deal. It's not bad. There's nothing negative about it. But I'm not quite sure, you know, these guys getting to playoff games really can accomplish a whole lot. On the Lynx, the only winless team in the WNBA, as I sit here on Sunday morning. Maybe they can beat Connecticut tonight. But the Lynx off to a really bad start. Kayla McBride went off on Friday night, late Friday night, dropped a couple F-bombs, a couple S-bombs in a rant saying she thinks they'll be fine. I still think they have too much talent. Nafisa Collier just made her season debut on Friday. But the issue is Ariel Powers, really good player, down right now, a hamstring injury, I am told it will be multiple weeks. I don't think it's a five- or six-week type injury, but it's likely a two- to three-week-ish type injury. So the Lynx, not only not winning games, but down a key player. Will today be it for John Anderson of the Gophers? The Gopher baseball team wraps up its season today. No contract extension is in place. 40 years as Gophers baseball coach. John Anderson, a Minnesota baseball legend. Will Mark Coyle give him a contract extension? He made him an offer. Anderson went back to Coyle, Anderson's people, and said, Hey, yeah, that's that's not going to work. We need this, this, and this. So now the ball is in Coyle's court. How will Coyle respond? It'll be very interesting to monitor John Anderson's situation over the next few weeks. I am very curious to see if an extension does take place or is John done as Gophers baseball coach. On the Twins, Jordan Belazovic, top pitching prospect. He's been dealing with an oblique injury, although he's been hitting 95, even 96 in bullpen sessions in Fort Myers. So he will start an extended game tomorrow, Monday. If all goes as planned, if all goes well, he will then head to A Wichita and make a start as soon as next weekend for A Wichita. So good news on the health front for one of the Twins' top prospects, Jordan Belazovic. I saw Bobby Witt Jr., Royals prospect, one of the best prospects in all of baseball, hit another long home run on Saturday night. He's at Double A. For the Royals, I bring him up because Omaha, the Royals AAA affiliate, has 18 more games this summer at CHS Field. In fact, over the next few weeks, they have 12 games at CHS Field. Very selfishly, I would love to get to CHS Field and see Bobby Wood Jr. So I am rooting for the Royals to elevate Bobby Wood Jr. from A AA to AAA. On the Twins' major league front, Max Kepler dealing with that hamstring issue. All signs point to him going on the injured list. Byron Buxton, Louis Arise, Quinta Maeda remain on the injured list. The goal was for Buxton to be back with the Twins middle of this week for this series in Kansas City later in the week, like June 4, June 5. Unfortunately, a little bit of a setback in terms of his straight line running, so it's still going to be a little bit, For Buxton, a rise is still going to be a little bit. Kenta is still going to be a little bit. So the Twins, while playing better baseball of late, winning seven of their last nine games, nine games under five hundred, it's a big hill to climb. Like, what is their path to the playoffs? If you look at the wild card standings, look at all those teams they would have to jump over. It's a long shot. Look at the division. Is that the easier path? Less teams to jump over? Well, but they still need to jump over the Royals, the Indians, and the White Sox to win the division. That will be incredibly hard. The Twins are preparing. Nothing is imminent, but they do have their scouts out watching A games, double A games. They will be prepared. They know the teams that have at least, you know, logical interest in Nelson Cruz, in Jay Happ, in Michael Pineda, in Angleton Simmons, the pending free agent. So If the Twins need to sell, which I can see that situation eventually arising, you know, more so in July, not right now. Again, nothing is imminent. The Twins are not on the cusp of selling off players, but they will be prepared to do so if need be. And I just, you know, I'm trying to be an optimist, but it's just hard to see. And I think the Twins will end up winning a few games here the next week or two. They still have these games the next two weeks with the Royals and the Orioles. But there are just so many teams to climb over. Even if the Twins get close to 500, all these teams will still be above them. Incredibly hard to make a run when you dig the hole they've dug. I know a lot of people like to cite 2006. I'll never forget 2006. 25-33. They then finished the season 71-33 and 33 to make the playoffs. But that's a mirage. More often than not, when you dig a hole like this, eight, nine games under five hundred in late May, you just don't rebound. So just unfortunate for the Twins. All right, let's get to some interviews. Gophers men's basketball. Things are about to ramp up here as the calendar flips to June. June 14th, Ben Johnson and his staff can start working with players. They will welcome recruits onto campus for unofficial visits. You think about you know, Damarian Watson of Totino Grace, Cam Heidi of Wyzetta, all these great players in the classes of 2022 and 2023. A lot of those guys will be on campus here in the next week or two for unofficial visits. So recruiting is picking up on court activity is picking up lots of good stuff happening with the Gophers men's basketball team. They are still after multiple front court players, Kevin Samuel, The TCU transfer, very much on their radar. He just entered the portal the other day. Steph Mitchell, the Shakopee native, the Boston College transfer. The Gophers want him badly. He's testing the NBA waters. In all likelihood, he'll end up playing another year of college. The Gophers want that to be for them. Sterling Manley, North Carolina big man transfer. The Gophers are still working diligently on all of those guys, plus I'm sure some other names. I was over on campus recently. I was able to catch up with new coach Ben Johnson in person. We talked for a while. We talked on camera, off camera. Here was my on-camera conversation with Ben. I hit him on a bunch of different talking points. My recent conversation with Gophers men's basketball coach Ben Johnson. Ben, we're in about two months now. Now, you know everything about this place, right, playing assistant coach. But is there anything you now know two months later as head coach that you didn't know when Mark Coyle said, hey, Ben, will you accept my offer? Will you be my head coach?
1: Right now, you know, I've been so focused on, on the roster uh, that, that really hasn't been anything outside of that that I've kind of run into that I, that I didn't know. I'm sure as we get into summer, maybe here or there. But um, I think that's one of the things that's helped me in this process is I know it. You know I, know, I know the people here. I know how it's run and how Mark wants it to be ran. Um, and I know the process of it. So there really hasn't been anything that I've been hit with uh, that's like thrown me off kilter or that, you know, kind of like a whoa moment. Um, so it's been pretty smooth from that standpoint.
0: How does Mark want it run?
1: You know, just clean. You know, I think that'd probably be the word to describe it. A, a, a program that's clean, that we do it the right way. Uh, we do it through trust, through relationships. Um, and you know we're all on the same team, and I think if everybody's on the same team with that mindset, you know, kind of low ego, high output, um, you know, we're going to be able to do big things throughout the entire department and, and pull for pull for one another.
0: Your newfound—I don't say newfound—well, in some way, your newfound celebrity status. <laughs> I mean, people know you, right? Just going right. back to being an unbelievable high school player, D. Lasell, playing here, but it's now a different pedestal i don't think anybody would debate that now that you're the head coach of the university of minnesota how are you handling the the newfound celebrity status
1: you know it's um i I guess i don't look at myself that way so i guess sometimes when um if i'm out and it gets you know brought up by either somebody coming up to me or um you know you can kind of feel when people are are looking and noticing it kind of catches me off guard a little bit i guess just because I, i i I just view myself as kind of a normal normal dude, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it comes with the territory. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it shows that we have a fan base that cares when they, when they, when they see you out and they want to talk about Gopher basketball. And I'm excited to always talk about our program, um, talk about this department, talk about, you know, Gopher athletics in general. And so I just look at it as a compliment. And um, like I said, anytime I can, I can get somewhere, whether it's a podcast, an interview, or just out, you know, out on the town and talk over hoops. It's a good thing.
0: Do you also have some spots that you escape to, where you can escape some of that madness? Like Coach Patino, I think it was a cigar shop, he did. Yeah. right, that he used to hang out at. Like, do you have a spot like that? You
1: no, know, probably right now it's my friend Troy's house. Probably, uh, I think that's the one thing that's that's nice for me. Um, you know, I still have friends kind of in the community, and so I can I can sneak over to their house and kind of get away and, and use that as a kind of a, a debriefer. Um, so that's what I've done a couple of times, but uh, there's been so much going on. It's normally, you know, you're here and then you just you slide home uh, late at night after work, so. Troy Bell? Yeah, 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 he's still here. Obviously, he's got a, a new place out in uh, Eden Prairie. And so it's kind of my sanctuary a little bit where you can just go out there and mess with his kids and be with him and just, you know, not think and talk basketball. You still cut hair? He does. He does. He does not. Uh, the, he cuts his son's hair. He has not cut my hair. The, the hair that I have left, he has not cut my hair. Would you let him so, he said, hey, Ben, you need a cut? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He does a good job with his son, though. So that's what matters. He does a good job with his son.
0: Are you settled in? Did you find a place to live? Or are you just renting? Like, Somebody said you sent out a tweet. I didn't see it. Paul actually told me. Apparently you're like looking for a fence guy. You got the dog? Uh,
1: I was looking for a fence. I've talked to, uh, so Coach Thorson on my staff is, is is trying to find one and he gave me the heads up that that there's uh, few and few materials, I will say, for a fence right now. And I guess like the earliest people are getting in is maybe August. Um, there was a guy on a call today that said he, he wouldn't get able to get a fence until October. Um, and so yeah, I just sent out a tweet asking if anybody had anything because it's like, one of those things that's hard to look for and you just don't know who's got some good ideas out there. Uh, it's kind of see, see what comes my way. So we'll see on that. But yeah, the fence is a, is a priority when you have kids or a dog.
0: Yeah, I like your chances, right? I mean, that's back to your celebrity status, right? Like, you got to be careful. It's a slippery slope at times, but like, if Ben Johnson, Gophers men's basketball coach, needs a fence, I don't think you need to wait until August or October.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know, I respect other people's turn in line, but um, you know, it, it's good. Just to sometimes, just you just you never know who can help you. And I think not just me, but you know anybody, especially now with social media, I think you see people do it all the time. Um, you know, you you post up out there if if you need something or you have a question on something or you know just throw out ideas. And and so uh, you know we'll see what comes of it. Big dogs, then. I mean, are they? Are they therapeutic
0: in in many ways?
1: Yeah, no, they are. They are. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't have kids, but I'm assuming it's like kids when you come home. Um, they don't necessarily care uh, how your work day went, good or bad, you know, they're not gonna, he's not gonna sit there and talk about either the good or bad practice or the good or bad game. Um, and, he, and he's excited every time I, I come to the door. And so it just kind of, you know, can take your mind off things and uh, gives you something else to worry about. So it's not just work and basketball all the time.
0: What's the dog's name? Bruce. okay yeah. Just want to
1: make sure it wasn't like, you know, musketeer. No, 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 we're good. Yeah, we like kept, that, it, we kept it neutral. It no, no, no. We'll keep... now Thorson's is Moby, because I think of uh, the, the the stadium at at Colorado State. So he'll have okay. a little, he'll have a little we'll one of those. On yeah, I think that I think that's what it is. But no, we went we went uh, neutral name. Got it. Team-wise, like, what can you do
0: right now? Are guys able to get in here? Can you work with them yet? Or is that June? Like, just what's the calendar look like right now?
1: So that'll start in June. And right now we're aiming for, I believe, June 14th to get going with individual skill work. And then we'll have, um, you know, a certain amount of hours we can do full team practice. And we'll do that for eight weeks. So, uh, you know, right now our guys are, are away. They're at home. And they'll start trickling back here beginning of June. And then we'll get going on uh, June 14th.
0: So what's a normal day look like? right now for you, what's a normal weekend look like when technically you can't quite travel to these AAU tournaments? Like, just take me through a
1: normal day. You Spend a lot of time on the weekends, you know, if you can, um, you know, trying to watch uh, online if they're available. Um, you know, a lot of these tournaments now will, 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 will film them because they know that coaches can't go out. So you spend a lot of time trying to, trying to follow as best you can or watching highlights or clips, um, you know, always talking as a staff about, you know, who played well today, who do we need to watch today or tomorrow? um and they just plan for the for the following week um i think right now it's a lot of just getting with my staff on recruiting uh obviously trying to finish out this year's roster and then thinking about 22 and and also diving into a little bit of 23 and trying to plan out we're able to go on the road now in june and july so now it's trying to coordinate you know today we're going to work on making sure we're looking at rental cars and hotels and if we know venues kind of can we line up who's playing where uh obviously we won't have schedules out yet but just trying to think ahead, and, uh, and again, it's, it goes back to the recruiting piece. And so without our guys here, you can really focus in on, on getting, the, getting things done recruiting-wise.
0: Feel good about where recruiting is? I mean, every time I look at Twitter, it seems like a new kid is saying, hey, you know, just Zoom to a Ben Johnson. He offered me you know, a lot of 22 kids. I think maybe even some 23 kids.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't feel good until it's done. Um, you, know, you could feel good about maybe your positioning or who you're, you're navigating and, and, and where you're in and who you're in with. Um, but I think you know all of us has been doing this a long time and we know there's, there's ebbs and flows with, with everything we're recruiting. And so, um, you know right now, I don't know if anybody feels great. Um, I think you feel good with the work you're putting in and kind of the progress you're making in developing relationships and trying to connect. It's gonna really help now that we can get everybody on campus starting June 1st. So uh, when, when schools can, can start getting kids here and you get that face to face, I think there's a lot better uh, vibe that you can get in terms of kind of you of them and them of you and uh, can kind of hopefully push the process forward.
0: Also working on your schedule to some extent Did I see you guys open up against Kansas City. I know nothing's quite official yet, but Kansas City, there's some talk of what, North Carolina or South Carolina, some four-team tournament you'll play in November?
1: Yep, so right now uh, I think that is official. UMKC to open up Um, and then uh, an early tournament in Asheville. Uh, with, I think, right now, South Carolina and maybe Western Kentucky. And I think there, there's probably one more uh, uh, team. A couple have been floated around, but that's kind of what's looking at. And then obviously, you have the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, and then we'll start the, the Big Ten in December. So, uh, you know, we've got some, for us, a team that's, you know, going to be a bunch of new parts. Uh, we've got to be ready early and be ready to compete early at a high level uh, with, some, with some high major Power 5 type games.
0: How much is your roster for this upcoming season still incomplete? How many more scholarships do you have to play with?
1: Well, probably, I don't think we'll use the full 13, um, but we'll probably add a couple more pieces, you know, add some depth to the, to the front court. Um, so we're looking to do that. And I think now you're seeing as finals start to end and as kind of the draft process for some of these guys becomes clearer, I think you'll see more and more decisions being made uh, here in the next week and two weeks. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we can, we can add a couple more pieces to what we already have.
0: Do you feel good about Again, it's not over until it's over. But do you feel good about your standing with with some of those big men that are still out there?
1: Yeah, no, I do, I do, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll hear hear some good news here sooner than later. Um, but I do. I think we're in a good position with a couple guys uh, that fit what we're doing. I think that was the biggest thing. Is uh, you know, I really like what we've done with our roster up to this point. And when you get to that ninth inning, you don't want to. Drop off. You want to keep continue the momentum, continue to kind of mold it the way you've been doing it. And So we've been patient, uh, but we've had some good talks with kids, and I think we're, we're in a good position to, to, to add depth to that front court.
0: Stylistically, is there a certain type of big man you're looking for?
1: You know, uh, ideally, you know, if you can, I think every coach would say, you know, offensively if you could find a guy that's super skilled, that can shoot it and stretch the floor, that changes everything. Uh, but, you know, you're always looking for the intangibles, you know, great hands, good feet, good feel. Uh, play hard, can they defend the position, uh, can they guard, pick and roll, uh, how well do they move? Um, so all those things you're kind of trying to evaluate on film uh, through phone calls. Um, and you know I think in the Big Ten, obviously, just the, the physicality piece is important. You know Can you defend the position? Uh, do you have a physical presence to you? And so we'll look to, to address that type of stuff.
0: Let's talk about some guys that you added. I mean, I suppose you're incredibly grateful to, to Jamison Battle, he kind of started the process. You guys have that De LaSalle bond.
1: Yeah, no, Jameson, uh, you know, for sure, grateful. Um, you know, he was the guy who bought in uh, right away and um, didn't really have any, any hesitancy. Um, a guy that, uh, you know, I have a ton of faith in and, and couldn't be more excited to get him here. Um, you know, I think the all-around student-athlete that he is is, is what we're about um, and a guy that has proven, at, you know, at the Division One level that he can be productive. You look at his numbers, the ability to shoot the basketball, he's, he's competitive by nature. Um, you know, he believes in this program, uh, believes in me and our staff, um, and he's a willing lurk, uh, worker. So, you know, extremely excited and looking forward to, to getting him here in June and, and really getting down to work. Since he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I mean, flew under the radar, right? At D he's playing
0: with Tyrell, right? D one Minnesota, he's playing with Zeke Nagy, Matthew hurt, but yeah, I mean, his production at GW
1: pretty darn good. Yeah, that no, was really good. I mean, uh. He's close to an elite shooter, uh, and, and so that's the goal is, like, you know, can you be one of the best, if not the best, uh, you know, shooter in the Big Ten? Um, I think his numbers prove it, that, that he's got that ability, um, and now it's just at this next level. It's getting a little bit quicker with your shot, you know, being able to get open. Um, but I think, you know, the ability to space the floor um, and, and from deep. I mean, he can shoot it from NBA range. Um, is huge to any offense, um, so he's going to bring a lot to our team.
0: Peyton Willis, is that your starting point guard? I mean, we all remember him. Darn good player, right? I mean, performed well at Vandy, performed well here, had a good run at Charleston. I mean, with his experience, like you can happily play him 30-something minutes a night. Yeah,
1: that's what I love about Peyton. I mean, that's what I love about a lot of these guys, but you know, Peyton's done it at two spots at this high major level, and he's done it here. And I think he really valued his time here. And so that was pretty cool to me, was to hear him talk about Gopher basketball and his experience. Uh, super excited to be here, to be able to come back and finish it. Um, you know, it's a pretty cool story. But, yeah, I mean, he's been through the, through the, through the trenches. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's been at, obviously, a couple spots, um, but has done it consistently uh, at a high level. And so we'll look for him, for a lot of the leadership, um, you know, to set the tone of what it means at this level to play hard and compete and kind of set that standard for the rest of the team.
0: So as soon as he hit the portal, were you like, hey, we need to do this, or was it? friendship with Eric Curry, who's on your staff, did Eric come to you and say, "Hey Ben, like we should go after Peyton." Like, how did that play out?
1: Uh, no, I actually hit Eric, and 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 Eric shot me down and said, "Oh, there's no way, there's no way." And I said, "Dude, just we need yes, we're doing this." Uh, and then honestly, you know, it didn't take long after that. I was able to get on the phone with Peyton, and I, I joked like this is the fourth time I've recruited this kid, uh, and so uh, we have a really good relationship, and, and, I, and I trust him with everything, and um, it's a it's a great fit for me. And I know we're a really good fit for him. Um, and I just love that, you know, he's willing to come back. Um, and he was, he was excited to come back. And so, um, you know, I think he's going to be a big piece of what we're doing.
0: On low, I mean, I suppose with the connection to Coach Kemp, you have the book on him. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Another competitor. Uh, I think he's a, you know, if I could say the word steal, I mean, I think he's a steal. I think, I think this kid um, is, a, is, a, is a Big Ten caliber player. Um, you know, I think he grew up watching it, obviously being in, in Wisconsin and growing up. Um, but a competitive kid with size, um, you know, look at his numbers again. A guy that's produced and, and shot it well and scored it well at a high level. Uh, can play out of pick a roll. I think he's versatile, can play a little bit of the one and the two, uh, but definitely has a chip on the shoulder to prove that, you know, he can compete at this level and help a team win.
0: E.J. Stevens, kind of in a comparable boat?
1: Yeah, yeah. E.J.'s, um, you know, at, coming from Lafayette, uh, they do a great job of teaching just how to play with concepts. So EJ has a high IQ, you know, really knows how to play the game, can cut, uh, can shoot, can score at all three levels. He's got really good length, um, but he's a willing, another willing worker. Um, he's kind of a throwback, old school guy, uh, which I love. High, high IQ, on and off the floor. Um, really thinks the game, knows the game. Um, I'm, I'm excited about EJ. You know, again, I think that's a guy that his best basketball is ahead of him, um, but just understands how to play and, and just knows ways to be successful
0: on Parker Fox, I mean, I was with him on Monday. I mean, the love he has for you, for, for this program, I mean, it's, it's sky high. I don't know if anybody's above the kind of love he has. I mean, I guess just, I'm positive he's going to attack the rehab process, but you know, in all likelihood, he's going to miss the season, right? But I guess after that, you still have what, two years of eligibility with him?
1: No, exactly, I think, um, you know, the hardest part was just, you know, having him tell me. Um, you know, I, don't, I don't worry about me or, or our program. And obviously, it's a setback for our team and for our guys, but you know, your first thoughts go to him. Um, I know how much this meant to him to be, have the opportunity to, to be here and, and play here this year. Um, I know he was, he was really looking forward to it. He was working extremely hard to put himself in position to, uh, to, to make a major impact, and we were all excited for it. So to have him kind of have this major setback, you know, I think you, you know, your first thoughts always go to him and, and hope that he's okay and handling it well. Um, but, you know, he just needed to know that we obviously have his back and, and we'll be patient through the process. I don't want to rush anything. Um, the most important thing is, is him and his health and making sure that, you know, through his docs and our trainers that, you know, we rehab it the right way because when he comes back, you know, I'm fully confident he'll be better than ever. Um, and, again, you know, if that's this year and it works out great, but if it, if it happens to be next year and he misses this year, then, you know, we're, we're all good with that. You know, we're just happy to get him back healthy and, you know, he'll have a great two years for us whenever that is.
0: Take me back to that phone call. I mean, he told me he started to cry. That, that, that might've been the hardest part of this entire process was that phone call he made to you.
1: Yeah, no, he did. Um, but I, I, you know, I told him that's why I love him is because you know, that was true emotion. And, and you know, he wasn't letting me down, but he felt like he was. Um, but it meant so much to him to be here. You could, you could feel that through the phone. And so that that got me even more excited about him because it said like all the reasons why i want you it's summed up right now with, with what you're feeling because i know they, i know you truly care and um and that's why i know he's going to be successful that's why i have zero issues with him in rehab i know he's going to attack it every day he's going to still bring the juice and find ways to impact our program even though he's not playing um but that type of of love that he has for you know our program and and right here you know definitely show and, um, and i think our fans are going to love them
0: speaking of the fans what's what's your message to them where they don't quite grasp all this roster turnover they look at the roster from last year guys that were supposed to be back this year that are now gone i mean i think you guys are right up there right like a lot of teams are having roster turnover but i'm not quite sure anybody yeah. has had more across the whole landscape of d1 college basketball right yeah. like this is it yeah. so like what's your message to the fans that just don't quite understand how the heck the roster has turned over this much.
1: I think the you know in today's day and age with, with the portal and being able to be eligible right away has totally changed the game. And um, you know coaching changes is hard across the board, but especially for student athletes. And I get it. And I don't hold anything against anybody that chose not to be here. That that's 100% perfectly in their rights. And and you know I've always said from day one, I just want guys that are two feet in. And, and if for some reason you or you know, your family or whoever is in your circle wants to look elsewhere, I, I have no problem with that. Um, but I think that the ability for those guys to have that option and to seek it um, and, and to be able to play right away, that's why you see so much turnover is because it's, now it's, it's easy to do. Um, so it kind of is what it is. And, and like I said, at the end of the day, you know, we want guys that want to be here. And I think we've done a pretty good job of being able to flip and replace you know some of those guys with with proving proven basketball players and improving guys that um, that understand how to play and, and are, are bought into what we're doing here and so you know I would just say uh, you know give us a chance um, you know I think we're going to be a, a hard playing competitive group uh, I think we're going to be a team that plays for each other uh, and, and, and in our own way plays 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 golf basketball the way we want to play um, but you know I don't think we can knock you know student athletes for wanting to to do what's best for them in their mind. Um, and I think, again, you'll, you'll see rosters change, especially with coaching changes. Um, you know, it, it, you can get hit hard, and, and we did, but you know, we'll recover from it.
0: I'm giving you a chance. Will it be fair this upcoming year to judge you on wins and losses? Or, I'll be frank, what I've told a lot of people, Ben, is, like, I want to see his 2022 recruiting class. That he needs more than a year with all this turnover that I don't think it'll be fair to judge you on one year wins or losses, is that the Big Ten isn't slowing down. It's going to take some time, right? Like yeah. Yeah. you may end up losing a lot of games this upcoming year, but like people need to just, they need to be somewhat patient, even though you know this, this is not just a, a men's basketball, you know, take from, from fans. It's, it's a Minnesota sports fan, you know, take right. that they just, they've seen so many losing with all the teams that they just can't take it.
1: I get it. No, I, and, and trust me, I'm. Um, you know, no one's going to be more competitive uh, with this job than me. Um, no one's going to care more than me. Um, you know, no one's going to put more in it than me. Um, and no one wants to, to, to get it going quicker more than me. Um, but at the same time, I, I do know it's a process. Not to overstate it, but um, you know, I think I was reading an article about Bill Novas Jay Wright, who's now in the Hall of Fame, deservingly so, who's won two national championships. Well. It took him a little bit of time. if you looked at his first couple of years, you'd be like, "Wow, you know he got from, from from there to where he is now, but again it's like it's the process of uh, how you want to build things and everybody builds it different um, and everybody's circumstance is different. but um, you know I do th- I get the, the the people wins and losses is, is what people see and and I got hired to win games I totally totally understand that um, for me and my staff this year um, and every year, you you want to win every game you, you, you play. Every time you lace it up, you want to win. Um, but more importantly, we want to set the tone of what it means to play hard and compete, and what it means to, to play, you know, this now style of Gopher basketball, and, and to be that team and to fight and to scrap, um, and you know, and then it's our job recruiting-wise to get good enough players that are talented enough. And you know, 22 class obviously important, um, but just as important as the 23. And you know, though honestly. You know, those are the guys that um, that you really can hit a home run with because you're at an even playing field with every other school. You know, 22s, we're going to still do our work. And, and we've, uh, my staff's done a great job, but you're still coming in late. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still, you're still getting to know guys. And the most you'll do if a kid decides in the fall is maybe six months. So that's hard, you know. Um, but, you know, for sure, like, every class matters. And I think in order to sustain it, you can't have the drop-offs in that recruiting class. So. We want to attack 22s, but we also want to attack 23s, 24s, 25s, 26s because when you can start stacking those classes and there's not that drop off you get a little bit better with each class or you sustain it, then that's when you're able to, to make some noise and, and be a consistent team in our league. hit
0: you with one more. Is, is the feedback still coming in from so many influential former players, the J.B. Becker staffs and the Kevin McHales and the Jim Petersons and the, the Ryan Saunders? I mean, you know, whenever you need something, you know, you can easily lean on them.
1: Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the cool part is that um, you know, those guys weren't just a one phone call hit um, and that's what's special. And that's what's going to be special about, you know, this family is that, you know, if you have a question, you can you can call Ryan. You know, I can call JB. I can call Kevin. You know, Michael Thompson has been great, you know, talk to former players like, you know, Jordan Murphy uh, asking how things are going. Austin Hollins, you know, asking how things are going. Uh, Mo Walker. Um, You know, all that stuff is going to be an ongoing, continuous thing. I think part of it is because I am them. You know, I'm the head coach here, but I'm also a former player. And so the relationship is different and the connection is different. And that's why when we say family, it is truly that because not only am I the coach, but I am also an alumnus. I'm I'm a former player. Um, And so we have a lot in common, but, you know, we'll continue those relationships and hopefully those guys will all be a a part of, of kind of what we're doing here and we'll help this program grow.
0: Coach is still a resource? I mean, you mentioned early on, he was helping you with your transition. Do you still keep in touch with him?
1: Yeah, no, we've still talked. Um, you know, obviously we're kind of in similar positions where you're know, trying to build your roster. So we've talked about that. And, you know, he obviously knows his place extremely well. So he's, you know, curious and, and hopes things go well and asks how things are doing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but no, he's been, he's been great. And, um, you know, it's always good for, for a first time head coach like myself to be able to pick up the phone call and call people who've done it before. Um, you know, I'm not a guy that thinks I have all the answers by any means. Um, I like to steal a lot of stuff from other people, especially people that I respect and, and that have done it the right way and have had success. So uh, I'd be foolish not to try to lean on every single resource I have, um, especially early on in my career.
0: Who are some of the other guys you lean on then? I mean, Coach Steele, I mean, I don't know, what's, what's that
1: list? Yeah, you no, know, I've talked to Coach Steele, uh, Ben Jacobson, leaned on him a lot. Um, I've connected with a couple first-time head coaches that are going through it just because we're kind of dealing with the same thing just to make sure, hey, are you going through this too? Or, hey, how did you handle the situation? Um, and then there's some veteran, you know, uh, other coaches that I've been fortunate to talk to. Guys in our league have been great, from, you know, Steve Peichel to Juwan Howard to Matt Painter to Tom Izzo. Uh, those guys have always, you know, really been great. You know, Micah Shrewsbury, who's at Penn State. We've talked because we're, we're going through the same thing. And, um, you know, you kind of – when when one guy's down, you pick him up, and vice versa. Um, but uh, that's one great thing about this league. Is I think all the coaches, although we're competitive and we all want to win, uh, whether that's recruiting or on the floor, uh, they understand what we all go through every day. And I think uh, they're all really good dudes, and um, and they want to see each other succeed in in our own individual way.
0: Anything we didn't hit on that you want to get out there?
1: Outside of needing a fence? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's it. I think. Um, you know, uh, I, we're looking to 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 get this fan base back, believing uh, in a high li- in a highway, and and I think um, our guys I know are going to feed off of it. We're going to do everything we can to to make uh, the barn fun again, um, whether that's you know stuff we need to do uh, that's not basketball related to make it an environment where you want to bring your family or you know you want to spend a a weekday or a weekend uh, and spend your hard-earned money. We want to make that a place that. almost feels like a party and has good basketball um so you know i just think uh for our fan base appreciate the support that they've been giving us so far um you know we're building this thing so build with us um and let's get williams arena back to, to what i know it can be
0: love talking to ben very personable i hope he wins games i don't see the path to winning a lot of games this first season The big keys, really, it's not only the 2022 recruiting class because Ben is making up ground. You think about Trey Holloman, star point guard, Creighton Durham Hall. Tom Izzo of Michigan State has been in on Holloman for 18 months. Ben Johnson has ground to make up on 2022 kids like Holloman. So maybe realistically, it's more the 2023 recruiting class where Ben can really make some inroads. But Ben is working hard on the 2022 class. I do think he'll end up landing some of the local players. There are so many local players that are Big Ten caliber players that they can play for the Gophers, that Ben is going to land some of these 2022 kids. Not all, but some. Ben is continuing, as I mentioned, to work on his 2021 roster. One of his newest additions is a Juco transfer. He's a guard. Abdule theme. He's from the Orlando Area down in Florida, played for a really good high school program, played one year for a really good Juco program that made it to the Juco national tournament in Hutchinson, Kansas, a few weeks ago. He had some options. Buffalo wanted theme, some other schools wanted theme. The Gophers feel like they have a diamond in the rough in this Juco transfer. Abdulay theme. He committed to the Gophers a few days ago, and I caught up with him. Via Zoom. Here's my recent conversation with new Gophers guard, Abdulay Theme. Abdulay, just take us through your thought process. Why did you choose to come here to Minnesota? Why did you choose to be a Gopher?
2: I mean, I like everything about Minnesota. I like the program, I like the coaching staff. I like how they were being real with me every time they talked to me. You know, that's like, for me, that's like probably one of the main keys, like being real and telling me what's up front and no sugarcoat and stuff like that. And I'll say probably the development and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause that's my main, that's my main uh my main goal is to go to college and be a better basketball player and develop my game. So when you
0: say they, so head coach Ben Johnson, then was there an assistant coach that also was recruiting you heavily?
2: Yeah, everybody was involved in it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, does that just tell you that that there's very much a family environment, a family Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. For sure, it's a family environment.
0: How about the bond that you've developed specifically with head coach Ben Johnson? Just take me through what that bond is like.
2: I mean, it's great because, like, sometimes he will call me and we'll not even be talking about basketball. Like, the last thing he taught me about when we was on the phone was, Oh, what is your favorite Netflix show? And was just you know talking about Netflix and stuff like that. It was not, it was not like basketball. He was just checking up on me and telling me like stuff. You know what I'm talking about. So like Netflix show, stuff like that. So like I mean, seeing it, seeing it from him, like talking about Netflix show rather than talking about basketball. It means a lot because like it's not always about basketball. Like you know, my job is always gonna be basketball, but like. I'm talking about, like, every day through my lifetime of being at, you know, Minnesota.
0: On the basketball part, though, the <laughs> vision he sold to you, what he's trying to build here, his first time as a head coach, you know, his first year, obviously, that yeah, that, sure. meshed, yeah, yeah. that meshed well with, with what you're looking for?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure, because um, I know they're in a uh, rebuilding um, process right now. And I know it's his first year, so I would like to be a part of that. Cause right now I won't say Minnesota is down, but like it's down. Like not 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 like to say in a rude way or like in like a mad way, but like yeah, I I joined it cause I know there could be something special in Minnesota for us. I'm talking about me, coach, and my teammates at Minnesota.
0: Have any of your teammates reached out to you? Have you already formed any bond with with your
2: new teammates? Yeah, I talked to a couple of people, but, like, here and there. So, still getting used to uh, talking to them and stuff like that. They talk to me and stuff like that, yeah. Who specifically? Elijah. Nice. Okay, yeah, from Lafayette. Yeah, one of the new cats. um hit me up yesterday, and we talked, you know, for a couple of minutes, and we text messaged, got his number, he got my number, and I feel like we're going to be a great teammate and stuff like that. So.
0: Abdullah, take us through the kind of player you are. I mean, what positions do you guard? I mean, I think in many ways the offense that Ben Johnson wants to run, in, in many ways it's positionless, but you need to guard somebody on the other end. So, like, can you yeah. guard ones and twos? Like, what position are you mainly?
2: I guard anything that's not a big. I guard anything. I'll guard a PG 94 feet. Like, I'll guard anything. I mean, I don't got no. You know, I don't got no like thing of who can I guard because I just guard. That's the type of player I am. I, I will guard to win a game. So, yeah. And then, how about the offensive
0: player you are? You know, like if you had to write a scouting report about about your offensive game, what would that scouting report say?
2: Shoot a lot of threes and athletic. That's like, that's, um, that's probably on the scouting reports. Uh, yeah. And those, I know how to get to the rim as well, too. Stuff like that, yeah.
0: What are your weaknesses? Like, I had somebody tell me they they love your future, but that you need to get stronger. And, hey, guess what, Abdullah? Every player that goes from your position to the Big Ten needs to get stronger. So that's not not breaking news.
2: But would you say you need to
0: get stronger?
2: Oh, most definitely. That's, like, the main key right now to get stronger and get, good at ball handling and uh, yeah. And creating my shot, I can create my shot, but not like at that type of level. So like, I won't say not at that type of level cause I never, haven't been at the campus and played games yet. So I don't really know what I could really do like on the court as if like, you know, playing wise. But yeah, main key though is, main key is weight room. Like I need to be in the room every day and In the gym as well every day.
0: Do you see a path to playing time immediately, or will it be hard with Peyton Willis, with EJ Stevens, with Luke Lowe? I mean, all those guys are are you know graduate transfers, right? They're all they're all Uber seniors. So I mean they've played a lot of college basketball. Like, do you see a path to playing time immediately, or do you think it'll take
2: a little while? I mean Right now, I'm really not worried about playing time. I am worried about playing time, but that's not my main focus. My main focus is just going in campus, you know, play really hard, you know, and compete. But as it's like first year, I'll probably get, I'll probably get, I'll probably get a little bit of minutes. Not gonna say a lot, but I'll probably get a little bit of minutes. So, yeah. When's your plan to come up
0: here? Have you ever been up here to Minnesota?
2: Nah, I've never been in Minnesota, actually. I heard my dad was just talking uh, to me about it. He was like, Minnesota's really cold. Everybody's going to say Minnesota's really cold. So, like, I mean, that's the only thing I know about Minnesota as is right now.
0: It depends. I mean, we're sitting here on May 22nd, Abdullah. It is going yeah. to be with heat index today, like 94 yeah. degrees. It is a scorcher here today. It depends. Yeah. Are there going to be some cold days December, January, <laughs> February? There will be but guess what? Like in April, there may not even be snow on the ground mid April right now. Yeah. I'm telling you, you know, late May, not even really late May. It's like, it's super, super hot today. So it varies. Yeah, yeah. It's really not, it's, I'm telling you, it's not much different from Chicago, from Boston, some other big cities. It's not, Yeah. it's not stupidly cold here. And stupidly, yeah, for sure, for sure. you know, yeah. when it comes to the, to the snow and all that, uh, yeah. the, those are some misnomers. Yeah, it's going to snow. Yeah, it's going to be cold. But I think you'll be able to handle it.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Maybe when yeah. is
0: the plan to, to get up here? I lost your picture again. When When is the plan for you to be up here in Minnesota?
2: Uh, it was saying June 6th or, like, somewhere around June. So I'll be at Minnesota campus. So just
0: how excited are you? I mean, that's like two weeks from now. How excited are you just to get up here and um, get to
2: work? I'm highly excited right now. I am so excited. Cause I feel like I feel like I feel like a lot of people is really doubting Minnesota right now, as if like the recruiting process and stuff like that. So I feel like a lot of people is doubting it. I, I mean I've been doubting my whole life. So oh my gosh. Oh, yo, wait, bro
0: well pick my up bad. on that point so people have been doubting you and, oh, and you think minnesota to to some extent so you have a chip on your shoulder is that
2: is that a fair statement well yeah a hundred percent got a chip on my shoulder Bang, i'm trying to fix this free so i got brothers in junk like her. all right so uh you, you can give me the answer again i'll just re- well, read just how it. much
0: how much of a chip is on your shoulder
2: Oh, a lot I mean, technically I've been doubted like my whole life almost, so like I had to overcome and be a dog, so you know, but like as of as of that though, like so many people have doubted Minnesota, like I'm reading comments all, all that. I heard i seen the um the thing that they dropped about the recruiting thing of Minnesota's percentage. See the comments, oh, Minnesota is going rock bottom. Minnesota, it is. Minnesota, that Minnesota. I really don't care what they think, but we're gonna have to show them because, like, they just think like Minnesota is just gonna be, you know, trash or something. Like, I don't, I don't really care. We're just gonna have to come in and just show them.
0: Who was the toughest school to say no to? So you had a few offers. Who was the toughest one to say no to?
2: I'll say Buffalo, uh, and Wichita. So who did it come uh, down to? So
0: it came down to Minnesota, Buffalo, Wichita. Were those your main three?
2: Not yeah. I had, um, I had, U, uh University of Louisiana too. Yeah. So I had like other schools calling me, but not the re- not to offer me right now for like my second year at JUCO. So yeah, but like the hardest one was probably Buffalo because the coach, Jim Weishel. Call me every day, every day. Facetime calls me every day. Uh, assistant call me every day. All that. Like, middle. Uh, Buffalo is a great. Like, is a great. Is a great. Is a great school. So like, he was probably like the hardest person. Like, I had to talk to and tell him. I had to talk to him and tell him. So like, and he was like, he understand me and everything. He just told me when you go out there, you just work. You know. He said when you need something, I'll just call me. Like like that means a lot to me and coming from him so yeah
0: I'll leave you with this just what's your excitement level then to to start playing in the Big 10 to leave Juco to get to high major division 1 basketball because it sounds like some schools wanted you to play another year at Juco but now you're done with Juco you're entering big time college basketball now just you know big smile on your face
2: man I called Coach, told him I'm committing, coming. I was excited. He was excited. I I just want to play at the highest level possible. Like, I know levels don't matter to me, though. But, like, you know, obviously, like, committing to Minnesota is a high level. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to compete and, like, you know, go against future NBA players, you know, every day on the court in practice as well. So I'm just ready for it. I'm excited. It's a challenge to myself. So I'm going to take the challenge and work.
0: I love his positivity. I love his attitude. I love his honesty. I do think with all the guards the Gophers have, EJ Stevens, Luke Lowe, Peyton Willis, that it'll be tough. Jamison Battle can place him too. That there won't be an immediate path to playing time for theme. But with Willis, Lowe, Stevens as grad transfers, they will only be here for a year. So the path to playing time for theme will be a couple years down the road. But hey, it was his only Big Ten offer. Why not jump all over it? There were some other big programs that had interest, but they wanted him to play another year of JUCO. He was ready to make the leap to big-time Division I college basketball. So he said, hey, I'm not playing another year of JUCO. Minnesota is a great option. I will jump all over that Minnesota offer. Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers' women's basketball team tried hard initially on Maya Naji, that's Zeke Naji's younger sister. She is a junior. She is a star in the 2022 recruiting class. ESPN.com has her top 10, one of the 10 best recruits in the country. She recently committed to Arizona. That's where Zeke went. So Maya, her family, they have the book on Tucson, they have the book on the Arizona basketball programs. Heck, Arizona just played for a national championship. So it's a big time. National program where I'll give Maya credit. She eliminated the Gophers early, so Maya had thirty-something offers. Pretty much everybody in the country wanted her. The Gophers tried. Lindsey Whalen had a Zoom call a while back with Maya. The two sides just didn't vibe. Maya, her family, Whalen. There were just some things. It just it didn't mesh. So I'm glad that she didn't, you know, play the game right where. I'll keep the Gophers in my final seven, right? Because for for PR reasons. I'll give her credit for eliminating the Gophers. She knew she wasn't going to be a Gopher. I'll give her credit for eliminating the Gophers a long time ago. I was at Maya's house recently. We talked outside. I caught up with her about her commitment to the University of Arizona. Here is my recent conversation with University of Arizona commit Hopkins basketball star Maya Najee. Maya, why Arizona?
3: Um, There were so many reasons why. Um, The first thing being um, the medical school and the ability to go to pre-med and then start medical school and do it in seven years and also do it while playing in the WNBA. So that's like a huge huge thing for me because I want to like save time, do it efficiently and get it done as soon as possible so I can be a doctor. Um, So that was big. but then also, like, the playing style, it really just fit me. The The player development was really good as well. I saw, like, she was recruiting me in eighth grade, so I saw how she, how Coach Dia um, built that program from the ground up and how she worked every day with players that weren't that good and turned them into average and then turned them into great and then brought them to a Final Four. So that was, like, really insane to watch, and it's, it just really speaks volume to her player development and how hard she pushes her kids and how great of a coach she is so that was also a big thing i also love their fan base they're super supportive and they have great fans they always pack the pack the arena and they don't have any like professional teams around near tucson so the they're all there for university of arizona so that was a huge thing as well and then i would say nutritionally um i'm vegan my family's vegan we're plant-based so they had the best resources to uh, for me to be able to do that in college as well and then my brother went there, so I knew the community. I knew what I was going to get going into it. Even though I wasn't able to take any visits recently, I felt comfortable making the decision because it was familiar, so yeah.
0: I mean, my everything you just laid out, maybe the way I should have framed the question was, why not Arizona, right? Like, it literally <laughs> checked every box, yeah, right? Yeah, they
3: checked the most boxes. They did a great job recruiting me. I had a great relationship with all the coaches, especially Coach Adia, and they talked to my family a lot. Like, we know them really well, so yeah, it was, it was perfect.
0: Is there just a sense of relief? I mean, you've had all these offers for so long. You've been recruited for so many years. Do you kind of just say, Like it's finally over, like this big (laughs) sense of relief?
3: Yeah, I was kind of itching to announce it. I really wanted to get it out. Like I wanted to do it as soon as possible. (laughs) Once I knew I was going to Arizona, like there was nothing else any other program could have shown me or done for me that would have made me change my mind. But I'm really grateful for all the opportunities I was blessed with, different programs offering me and everyone taking their time to recruit me. But, yeah, it's definitely a relief to get it over with because it was really busy process and... Lots of phone calls, lots of Zoom calls, lots of texts and all that. So, yeah, I'm just grateful to be able to focus my time on the school I want to go to.
0: When did you know? When did it hit you and you said, okay, it is going to be Arizona?
3: Um, like last week before the shutdown, we did a Zoom call with Arizona and we log into the call and like, there's probably like 20 something people on the call, like all Arizona people, like the president was there and I was just like, wow, they really, really want me and like, I feel really important and they're all taking their time to support me and to recruit me. And so I just felt like this was a signed deal, like this was done.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, your relationship with with Coach Barnes, I mean, when she took over that program, what was it about five-ish years ago? I mean, it was, I don't want to say complete rock bottom, but it was bottom of the barrel, like just I suppose it just adds on top of just all the work that she's done to build it into. I mean, coming off the national championship game loss, just turning it into now a national program.
3: Yeah, she's done a great job. Um, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to play for her as well is just seeing like I was there. She started recruiting me at a young age and I was like, they're not that good. They're not I've been here and they're not that good, blah, blah, blah then they start getting better and better every year. Then they're in the AP top 25, and then they're in the top 10, and then they're in the final four. And I was just like, yeah, I really like this program. And I want to go to a place where I can blaze my own trail. And I know Aerie uh, started to help build the program, but I want to go there and get them over the hump and win that national championship. So yeah,
0: what's been the feedback like so far on social media? Just <laughs> your, your notifications blowing up.
3: Yeah, my phone has been blowing up. Everyone is super supportive and reaching out and congratulating me. And yeah, it's just been awesome.
0: What was it like when you told zeke hey guess what you paved a path in tucson i want to pave a path in tucson too
3: yeah he was like so excited he was cheering and all that um i think he saw it coming to be honest but he was super happy <laughs>
0: so i mean how many times have you been down there right i mean pre-covid you probably had a chance to go down there right so like you know everything about tucson right
3: yeah i've been there many times i got to see my brother uh, play there in the preseason games. I went on visits and I went on visits with my brother as well. So, yeah, I'm really familiar with the community, with the area. So, yeah, it just felt like a home away from home.
0: How much are you now a role model for your younger sister who's now going through the recruiting process?
3: Yeah, I, everything I do, I just want to make sure I'm making her proud, making her inspired. I want her to look up to me and see great examples. So, yeah, if I work hard, then I know she's going to want to work hard too. So that's definitely a big thing. I'm always conscious of how I, I'm around her so she can – um, following my footsteps as, as well, so yeah.
0: Speaking of working hard, what's what's the emphasis this spring and summer? You're playing your last year of AAU, so as you're playing AAU, what are what are some things you're working on?
3: Um, yeah, this summer I'm really really excited for the summer because I'm gonna be training with lots of different trainers. I'm gonna go to Vegas and train with some guys who train NBA and WNBA players and then I'll go to Los Angeles as well so I'm really excited it's gonna be a lot of hard work but I'm super looking forward to it and I know like I need to expand my game my range just get it more consistent my ball handling as well like I want to be like an all-around threat defensively and offensively I want to get stronger and more explosive and I know this summer is really going to change a lot for me so yeah.
0: What position do you do you project to at the next level? I mean, are we talking like expanding your, your range? I mean, is that like kind of a, the stretch four position or do you feel comfortable guarding threes or even fives?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, on defense, I want to be able to guard like one through five, especially three through five, though. And offensively, Coach Dio was saying like as we expand my game more, she wants me in like the three, four position. And if I have a mismatch, she wants me in the post. So it really depends on who guards me. I want to become like a matchup nightmare, you know. So, yeah.
0: Have you had any correspondence with Paige and just seeing all the success Paige had in her first year at UConn?
3: Yeah, um... She reached out to me before I committed and she was just telling me how proud of me, uh, how proud she was of me and how excited she was to hear where I was going and she used to like try and tell me to come to UConn and all that because <laughs> she wanted me to come play with her again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would always congratulate her all the awards she won. She did phenomenal and she's really inspiring to me as well because I just seen like someone I know, someone I played around with in and practicing all the time. I see her go out there and dominate kids that are three four years older than her and it's like i can do that too if i just work as hard if i'm as focused as dedicated so yeah she's a huge role model and i'm really proud of her as well
0: on that idea not necessarily you come but like who was it hard to say no to
3: um i feel like uh maryland did a great job recruiting me uh stanford they're like in crazy great academics so that was hard to turn down um, Illinois was really hard in recruiting me as well. Like, they came at me and they, were, they built a really good relationship with me as well. Um, UCLA did a great job recruiting me as well. So, yeah, lots of the schools in my top 13 really came hard after me. and It was kind of unfortunate to like part ways, but I was really grateful for their time and all the efforts they gave me, so yeah.
0: Let's circle back a few weeks, the way your season ended at Hopkins. How much does that motivate you heading into your senior year?
3: Yeah, um, it's never gonna happen again. So that's like the huge motivating factor is for me to never let that happen again. And I just feel like a lot of the loss can fall uh, a lot of the blame can fall on my shoulders for how I performed. And so I want to like go in the gym and just become more dominant. I want to work even harder. It motivates me to just come in next season with a chip on my shoulder. And every workout I I enter the gym, every time I have a chip on my shoulder and I want to work hard and outwork everyone. So that next year, the game's not even close. Next year, we're not even like worried about trying to get a last second bucket to win the game because we're going to be up because I'm going to lead my team and I want my team to step up and lead with me. We're going to go to that championship game and we're going to win it. And so that's that's huge motivation for me. I want to end my my senior year on a high note.
0: Why are you taking so much blame? I mean, it is the ultimate team sport, right? Like it's not all you know, by the way, Chaska's pretty good too.
3: Yeah, I know my teammates. They stepped up. Nunu had a great first half. Taylor was playing hard the whole game. Amaya was playing hard as well. I just felt like the thing we were missing was um, me, I wasn't I wasn't getting going in the first half um, I didn't play good defense I got in foul trouble and I got to be a better leader I got to be like a like I got to have the first step my teammates want to follow that as well like I want to set the tone and I didn't set the tone and so we ended up losing so I feel like if I would have performed as great as I know I could have we would have won the game so.
0: Anything else you want to hit us with? Anything we didn't hit on as we tell your story here of, of, I mean, it's been a long high school career, and now we know what the next chapter will entail. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm just really excited. I can't wait to go to Arizona and start my college career after after my senior year.
0: Maya Naji, gift of gab. Like, I remember when I was a junior in high school, I was lucky if I was able to string together like five or six words. She is so well-spoken. Her future is so bright. I have no doubt that one day she will be a very successful doctor, but I also think she's good enough to have a career, a lengthy career in the WNBA. The University of Arizona is getting a big timer in Maya Nagy. All right, we are done on this Sunday morning, the 30th of May, the year is 2021. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode three hundred and fifty two going on now five plus years
2: strong stay safe stay sane